But please turn with me to Psalm 4. I'm going to read Psalm 4, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive in. we got a lot to cover tonight, and um, I'm excited about this. I'm loving this series. I hope talking for about eight weeks on prayer it does not get old to you. It doesn't to me, but um, I like this sort of stuff. So Psalm chapter 4, and then I'm going to read three verses of Psalm chapter 5. These are both Psalms of David. And David writes this, and if you don't have a Bible, at least maybe look at the screens. I think it's up on the screens. David writes, answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. He says, in your anger, do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. I will lie down. And sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. And then Psalm 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help. My King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait in expectation. Let's pray real quick. Father God, we... um, we come here tonight, we gather like this. Um, God, I hope to hear from you, to encounter you, to draw near to you, to somehow feel your presence. And God, I fully realize that the community, that we come for our friends, and that's a good thing, and we want to mingle with our friends, but God, I pray that we would not come just because of that, but God, we want to meet with you. We want to hear from you. God, we just have worshipped you through song, but God, we can also worship you through um, diving into your word, through learning more about you, and therefore knowing you more, I hope. So God, um, draw near to us, draw near to this place. And God, I, um, I don't want this to sound selfish. God, I am not eloquent in speech, but God, if there's anything that I say tonight that it is not f- from you, God, I pray that it would quickly be forgotten. But God, anything that is from you, God, may it stick with us. God, we are hungry, we're thirsty, we're, we, need, um, we need hope in this life. We need a God, we need our true God, we need someone who satisfies us. And so God, we expect um, good things from you tonight. God, I thank you just that we can do this. As we talk about prayer, prayer tonight, God, we can come to you and talk to you about anything. Thank you for that. So be here, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, so um, most of you know this if you've been here. This is week five in our series, The Famous Prayer. And um, each week, if you're new, each week we're taking a different phrase from the Lord's Prayer that's found in Matthew 6, and uh, we're studying it. We're, we're looking every week at sort of a different passage in the Bible and seeing what it has to teach us about that phrase. And um, what we find in the Lord's Prayer, I sort of said this, I've said this in past weeks, but it's not so much a template that we're just supposed to recite. Um, Certainly plenty of people do that. They just read the, the Lord's Prayer verbatim. And um, so plenty of people would disagree with me on that. But I don't think it's, it's not so much that Jesus is saying you should memorize this prayer and recite it exactly as it is. Heavenly, our, our, uh, our Father in heaven, 
um, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come. I mean, some of that stuff, again, as we've said, it's language that we don't normally use. I, what I think Jesus is trying to get at is he's trying to give us a guide as to like how to pray. In other words, what are the parts of prayer? What are the things that, it's not like every time you pray, you have to include each one of these parts, but if you're going to sit down and pray to God, which he, he wants us to do, this is, again, Jesus come to, or Jesus' disciples come to him and say, Lord, teach us to pray. And he says this. So as you've seen so far in this series, it's things like Jesus starts by saying, approach God like a father. Don't just go and say, hey, you. Don't just go and maybe even say like, oh, sovereign Lord, um, so distant and far beyond me. God sa- uh, Jesus says, approach God like a father. Um, week two, he says, include adoration. That one of the biggest things that we miss in prayer is to go to God and adore him. That we can go to him and say, God, um, even if I get nothing out of this, I want to adore you, not for what you give to me, but just because you're beautiful in yourself. That was week two. Um, We should speak words of hope and anticipation. This longing for, God, may your kingdom come. May your kingdom come to earth now. And may may we feel and be a part of that and live in your realm. So, We need to pray with words of hope and anticipation. That was Ben. That was week three. And then last week, um, we should pray our struggles. Last week, Dakota talked about um, thy will be done. Sort of this like, God, sometimes I don't get where I'm at. I don't get why I've gone through what I've gone through. But God, I trust you. I want your will for my life. I want your ways for my life. But so we're supposed to pray our struggles, our laments, our worries, and our fears in the junk of life. Jesus wants us to bring that stuff to him. And tonight, um, it's to ask. To ask is almost the most basic thing. You go, I thought this whole thing was just about asking. And in a sense, it is. But so, tonight, this is the phrase that we come to. If you have a note card, you saw this. It's this, um, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus teaches us in this model prayer. He says, pray like this, give us our daily bread. Now, again, in a certain sense, this is the first real request in the prayer. At least it's the first personal request. Now get this, if you haven't noticed, the Lord's Prayer really consists of about six petitions or six requests. But there's sort of six petitions. Um, Certainly besides that, there's the uh, addressing God as our Father. But Jesus says that, our Father in heaven, and there's six petitions. The first three um, are focused on God, right? Very God-centered. They're requests saying, God, I want more of you. The last three, as we get to these starting tonight, um, are still requests of God, but they're a little more personal. They're asking God for things, and they tend to be more personal needs. So give us our bread, um, forgive us our sins, lead us not into temptation. And and so in this phrase, and also in Psalm 4, and in a little verse 5, which we're looking at tonight, um, we're going to see three things about the nature of daily prayer. The nature of daily prayer via asking. And I want to say, you guys... Again, I know this is pretty, um, Hope this is maybe intuitive. Certainly prayer is just talking to God. Maybe you've heard that said before, that what is prayer? It's talking to God. But it's fundamentally, it's the, it's the ask. It's a request. So just talking to God could be like, so hey God, what's up? I, uh, let me tell you about my day. Went to school today, came home and played video games, and uh, I'm going to go get some food later. Um, is that prayer? Maybe it's like Jesus is your like invisible buddy, but not really. Um, you're just telling him about your day. And again, that's fine to do. Jesus can be your invisible friend or whatever. Um, he's, in a sense, he is. But 
the, at the root, prayer is about um, the ask. It's about the request. If you'll notice, even the first three petitions, um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's actually an ask. It's actually saying, Jesus, would you be the most holy person to me? Would you be the most holy thing in my life? Would you, be, would you have first place in my life? So even those first three, those first three petitions, they're really asks. Um, they're not just statements. So all of prayer fundamentally is about asking. Again, it should be more than just our selfish asking for things. We can ask things of God for our friends or for other people, and certainly we can ask for more of him. But so three things tonight in this passage about the nature of daily prayer, and it's this. Um, First of all, the content of daily prayer. Secondly, the rhythm and practice of it. And then thirdly, the confidence we can have in it. So the content of daily prayer, the rhythm and practice of daily prayer, and the confidence that we can have in it. So first of all, the content of daily prayer. I want to start by, um, before we get to the, the two Psalms, just looking at this phrase, give us this day our daily bread. So four observations real quick. Um, first of all, it's daily. So if you have an outline, just point A there. Um, it's daily. So in the book of Exodus, chapter 16, back in the Old Testament, second book of the Bible, there's a story about when the Israelites were wandering in the desert, whether you grew up in church or not, you probably heard this story. They're delivered from Egypt. They're out in the desert. God provides bread for the people, right? He provides this stuff called manna on a daily basis. And every day, this manna, this bread-like food, would come down from heaven. And each day, each person was to go out and to gather enough bread for that day. Um, as much as they needed, they couldn't try to gather extra um, for they couldn't try to store it up for the following days because it would rot. So um, each day they had to trust God to provide for them for that day. Now, if you read in details, it says like, you know, on the sixth day, they're supposed to, to gather two days of breads because they don't go out on the Sabbath. But um, here's the thing. If you had really big hands, maybe you were like an expert gatherer and you were just a large, maybe you had big hands or you had big needs, you had a big family, you would perhaps gather a little bit more. And of course, if you had small hands or if you had a small family, you would maybe gather a little bit less. But you would never have more or less than a day's worth of bread. And what God was trying to teach them um, at that time was that dependence on God was not just for the days when there was um, a little bread. And dependence on God was not just for the days when there was abundance of bread. But they were to boldly rely on God and trust in him to provide every day. There, um, there was never more than a day's worth of bread, or again, it would rot. So you couldn't plan your own future. You couldn't plan a trip out to somewhere else. And it was never less than a day's worth of bread, so you didn't have to worry either. He would provide daily. So that's the first thing. Um, it's daily. Secondly, the second thing we see here is that you're to ask. I mean, he just says you are to ask. Give us. So that's point B. There are certain things that we um, really only receive when we ask. And in fact, when we ask properly. Um, so take this for example. And I guess even think about this. Think about the power of the ask of anybody. I mean, anytime anybody just says to you, if I said, Jordan, um, would you go get me a drink of water? Um, Jordan would suddenly sort of be in this like, all I did was ask you a question. But you might feel compelled, like Brad wants a drink of water. And so I, I got to go find him one. And maybe I don't know where any water is. And so like, but just the power of an ask, right? Your teacher asked you to do something. Um, It's just words. It's just a question. But we feel compelled to act, right? When we're asked, and nobody really likes to say no. 
you guys, you should learn. You need to learn the practice of saying no. And um, obviously there's plenty of times with your parents and such that you should not say no. But um, we tend to maybe, I think, just say yes to everything and we get in way over our heads and we can't say no to anything. Um, Anyway, but think also about this. Say a child were to say to a parent, and I experience this a lot, I've got three kids, but say a child came and said, um, hey, you know what, like, I, give me some bread. Like, mom and dad, I don't know what you're good for around here, but will you give me some bread? So um, every morning, this is basically how my son Parker um, asks for a waffle. So my son Parker, um, and now my second son, Callan, is one. And when you turn one, so we're starting, we're starting Callan on the frozen waffles. When you turn about one, you're getting over the milk and stuff, so you're trying to, we give them solid food now, but um, toast is a little too rough, and you can't just give them a bowl of Lucky Charms or something, right? They're one-year-old. So we just tend to, we give them a frozen waffle and, you know, tear it up into little breadcrumbs. He loves it, but we, still did, we did the same thing with Parker when he was one, but now he's three, and he's, he's just continued the habit. But so Parker gets up at 6 or 6.30 every day. I'm usually already awake, but he walks out, he sits out on the couch, and many, many times... Um, he's in a bad mood. He's very, yeah, he's gruff. He's angry. And he, it's, it's like a yell. It's like, waffle! Dad, give me a waffle! And I'm like, why are you yelling? The whole rest of the house is sleeping. And then I'm in a bad mood. Um, I'm honestly, I'm usually like Bible open kitchen table. Um, and I'm like, I want to, like, why did he have to wake up so early? And now the waffle, and he asked for two of them. And it needs to be just right. We, um, we have a problem with that, right? As parents, um, it just doesn't go well. Or say they were just, uh, say a child goes to his parents, a parent, and he's too particular or too picky. Say the child said, okay, give me my daily bread, and here's how I'd like it. I'd like it toasted lightly. And um, I want you to cut off the crust, all of the crust, not just the top crust, and I want jam on the side, and only on the side. And then, you know what else? I want it to be warm when it comes to me. Um, like we would treat a butler or a maid, Right? Um, how would a parent react? How do I react? And a lot of times I'm like, I just want to give Parker the waffle so that he doesn't wake up everyone in the house. Um, but there, it, at a certain point, it sort of gets dangerous. Why? Because there's a sense of entitlement. There's a sense that we actually deserve it or we're somehow owed that bread. And so you see the danger here. Um, Jesus didn't say in the prayer, um, I demand my daily bread. There's something about the ask. And again, that doesn't mean, I'm not saying when you pray, at times, God is fine with your emotions. God is fine with where you're at. And I think you can go to God and say, God, I'm really ticked off right now. Or I'm really sad right now. But in general, um, we shouldn't go to God um, with a sense of entitlement. With a sense of you owe me. Um, but so that's the second thing. It's only when we ask, not when we demand. Thirdly, it's the provision of bread. So point C, um, bread. You'll notice that it's not a request here for a spacious home. Give us this day a very large home, Lord. That's not the request. It's not a prayer for expensive clothes. It's not a prayer for a new car. It's not even a prayer for a new cell phone or something that's a little bit more or a little less expensive for you. It's bread. Um, Saint Augustine, this uh, you know classic church father. Um, I'm not sure when he was right, but Augustine is so wise. But in one of his letters, reflecting on this particular petition, um, he notes this. He notes that daily bread here is really a metaphor for the necessities of our lives, not the luxuries. And again, I hope that's sort of intuitive for us. You all go, why does Jesus, 
Why are we praying for bread? I got plenty of bread in my house. You go, we're all well fed. Now, again, remember, he wrote this um, in the first century, and so people actually were concerned about getting their food. We don't worry about, none of us in this room worry where our next meal's coming from. But there are people all over the world that still worry about that. But um, Augustine's just saying this is a metaphor for the necessities of our lives. It's for the staples, not the delicacies. And so, in other words, what we daily depend on, what we ask for or what we should ask for, is for the most basic of life, life's necessities, which God provides. And it means, you guys, even as high school students, that we can find deep and lasting contentment, contentment in the most basic of life's necessities. That seriously, you do not need an iPhone 6 to be happy. Or whatever it is for you. And I know that's like the cliche thing. But there are things in each one of your lives right now that you go, I am not happy because I don't have fill in the blank. But Jesus says, um, you can be content with the most basic of life's necessities. And so often we take even simple things like food for granted. Um, That blessing food, saying God before we eat, to say thank you God for the food, that's really quite significant. And more and more we go, you know, if we didn't have this food, we could just go buy more. I got a credit card. We could buy a boatload of bread. Um, but we, we can depend on God um, for the most basic of life, life necessities. Now, can you pray for an iPhone 6? Sure, you can. I think God knows, though, that you don't really need that. And so I think when he says, give us this day our daily bread, he's saying, the prayer should be, God, give me today what I need the most. And most of all, that's more of him, probably. And yes, God gives us great things. And God will, you know, God will likely bless you with a new phone if you desperately want one. Or you'll save up and you'll just buy one. But Proverbs chapter 30, we read this. This is an awesome verse, just stuck in the middle of Proverbs 30. It says this, um, the writer says, Give me neither poverty, lest I resent you, nor riches, lest I forget you. But give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God, or I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Um, we, in this room, we are very rich. We are not prone to poverty. And you may go, you may think that you're the poorest person in this room, and in the world standards, you are quite rich. If anybody in your family owns a car, we're like in the top, I don't know, 3%, 1% of the world. Um, Our risk is that we would become too wealthy and um, disown God and say, who is the Lord? I I have everything I need. What do I need God for? I love Jesus's, and probably at least three of the four gospels, he says, um, sort of like, be careful, those of you who are rich. It's very, very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And if we're Americans, and we all are, it's we're in danger, I think, of missing the kingdom of heaven sometimes because we trust in wealth so much. But that's a side note. Um, anyway, again, it doesn't mean everyone has the same amount. Some people had bigger hands and bigger families. Some have smaller hands and smaller families. Um, but God provides, even down to our bread. And then finally, it's this, uh, letter D. Um, it's, it's not give us this day my daily bread. It's our daily bread. Martin Luther once noted that there's a really strong communal nature to this prayer, to the Lord's Prayer. And there's a strong social dimension to this particular phrase. Um, So in addition to this being a prayer for for food to come to my table or to feed my family so that we could eat, 
I would, I would also say this. Think about this prayer more corporately, more large scale. Give us this day our daily bread. So it's also a prayer for um, maybe a just society, a healthy economy. It's a, it's a prayer for um, good employment. It's a, prayer for, it's a prayer for the entire community to have daily bread. The desire here is that there would be no hoarding of bread, no stealing of bread, no exploiting other people so that we can take their bread away from them. Um, it's a prayer that no one would take, um, take daily bread from another and nobody would have daily bread taken from them. So what does this mean for us? You go, this is a little of a stretch, Brad, this one sentence. But I think it means this, that as individuals and as a church body, certainly like we are oasis, as Ben said, but we're also sort of a part of this larger church body called Brookside. Um, we should serve those who are poor and under-resourced in our city. Um, we tend to not maybe even like to think about the poor in our city. Um, people who don't have daily bread. So how can you apply this? It means you can serve the poor through places like the Open Door Mission or the Siena Francis House, these um, sort of like homeless shelters in our city. Open Door Mission is a whole lot more than that. Um, they're doing great work in our city. You can sponsor a child in Africa or all over the world where there's poor kids, China, Ethiopia, um, through World Vision, through Compassion International, you can simply, if you have a job, you can start giving the practice of giving 10% of your income to your, to, to your church, to this church. Why? Because our church then gives 10% of our income. 10% of everything the church takes in goes to global missions, to local missions, to spreading the gospel, and to helping the poor um, all over the world. So there's ways that you can apply this along those lines. Um. There's one more thing I want to mention on this note before we move on. Um, the Lord's Prayer here, what we talked about last week, this is why the order is important. Um, it says right before, give us this day our daily bread, it says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, if we were to say, give us this day our daily bread first, and then pray, Lord, your will be done. Um, in some ways, that's sort of a test of God, right? It sort of uh, speaks to maybe our own insecurity, like is God going to provide enough or is he in control enough to provide bread for us? So it's sort of a test, but in the proper order, if we say, God, your will be done, and then we pray for our own needs, for bread, for forgiveness of sins and that sort of thing, it becomes not a test, but it's now a surrender to God. It's, it's submission to God. Now we're saying, God, your will is more important than mine. Otherwise, I think in the other order, you sort of go, God, give me, give me my most basic life necessities, but only if you want to, and that's yet to be determined. But even keep in mind the order of your prayers. That you start with God. You start with the God-centered prayers, and you go, um, God, your wisdom is greater than my wisdom, and I surrender to you. I'm in submission to you. You're in control, and I submit every daily need to you. But that's all point one. I'm going to try to move through these other two more quickly. Secondly, the rhythm and practice of daily prayer. Rhythm and practice. So now take a look at Psalms 4 and 5. If you have a Bible, open it back up if you've closed it. Psalm 4 and 5. Um, Eugene Peterson is a Christian author and uh, a writer. I think he used to be a pastor. He wrote the message paraphrase. Maybe you've heard of that. Um, And Peterson points out that where Psalm 4 ends in the evening, it says at the end of it, it says, I will lie down and sleep in peace. Psalm 5 begins in the morning. It says in verse 3, it says, In the morning, Lord... You hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait in expectation. 
Um, in these verses, you see sort of a daily rhythm of prayer. If you have an outline, I mean, just you could put it down there. Psalm 4, evening prayer. Psalm 5, morning prayer. Uh, um, you know, why is that significant? I don't, but these are the only two psalms that sort of lend itself to that. But evening time, um, evening time is sort of the time when we sort of mull over what happened during the day, right? Um, maybe in your house, that happens around the dinner table. Um, your parents sort of go, hey, talk about your day. You're all in high school, so I know how that goes. You don't want to talk about your day because in high school, you, you just think your parents are lame at this point, probably. And so you go, eh, nothing happened. I'm fine. Um, this is dumb. I don't know. You're trying to, I mean, and I hope that's not the case, but that's how I was. Like, I'm not talking to you, mom and dad. The day was fine. I love you. I just don't want to talk. But you, you process your day. Um, evening is when we think about um, what we've accomplished or failed to accomplish that day. Uh, maybe we're extra tired that day because of something that happened. Maybe we think about the frustrations of the day. You know, I find um, we tend to feel anger more at nighttime than in the morning. Look at verse 4 of Psalm 4. David writes, in your anger, do not sin. I love that. You know, I love that because it's not sinful to be angry, but there's a very, very fine line there. You know why? Because almost always in our anger, we sin. We cross the line. But it's just an emotion. Anger is just an emotion. You can't control that. You will feel anger at any, you know, over just whatever could happen. Um, He writes, in your anger, don't sin. That means don't lash out at somebody else. Don't um, slight somebody else or slander somebody else. Don't like tear somebody else down. When you're on your beds, he says, search your hearts and be silent. Um, Try doing evening prayer if you haven't. And if that's as simple as in your bed, maybe you go, oh, I fall asleep when I pray in my bed. Get down on your knees next to your bed like you're supposed to do when you're three or whatever. You're, you know, you're five years old. Um, I've started doing this with my wife this year. Just go over to her side of the bed. I get down on my knees and we just pray. And it's awesome. If I did it in bed, uh, I'd fall asleep or I'd just be like, oh, I'm too tired. Um, try it. I don't know how, if you're in the rhythm of evening prayer and then certainly morning prayer. In the morning, there's a leaping to action, right? There's energy. Maybe not at first for you because you're not a morning person, but eventually get some coffee in you. But in the morning, you're well rested, right? There's a new beginning. There's anticipation. There's preparation for the, for the events of the day. In the morning, you look at your calendar, right? You take a shower. You do your hair. You, you get prettied up, girls. Guys, you at least put on clothes. Um, you maybe don't pretty up so much. But you, um, you prepare for the day. Psalm 5, you guys, there's so much activity going on. David is eager there's expectation. There's anticipation of things. Verse 7, he writes, I, by your great mercy, I will come into your house today, Lord. I haven't yet. It's the morning. I will come into your house. Verse 8, he says, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. God, the beginning of a new day, lead me. Psalm 5 is very active. So there's a rhythm, morning and evening prayer. Here's two other observations. Um, for your outline, and I'm going to skip over these because I'm running out of time, but the first one is it's restfully active, which is like a paradoxical statement, I realize. It's restfully active. Prayer is restfully active. It's not just passive. Um, I wish I could dive into that, but the second thing is just that it's disciplined. Um, I wanted to get to, maybe real quick, I can sort of mention, here's one of the false perceptions of prayer. There's a lot of people who say, um, prayer is the way that we can actually manipulate the heart of God. And so if God isn't answering your prayers, it's because you don't have enough faith and you're probably not praying hard enough, whatever that 
is supposed to mean. But you don't have enough faith, and you're not praying right, and you're not praying hard enough. So if you could just conjure up more faith, that is what gets God to answer prayers, right? And then God will sort of be your genie in a bottle. Um, but so you can sort of pray the right way, and then he'll give you whatever you want. Um, that is, the, the problem with that is there were so many people in the Bible who prayed during seasons of significant hardship, and um, their circumstances really didn't change. Consider a guy like Job in the Bible. And maybe many of you don't know the story of Job, but he lost his family, he lost his fortune, he lost his health in the matter of like seemingly minutes or hours. Um, and while he prayed for all of this life situations, this life, these life circumstances to change, is there a velociraptor in here? What was that? Um, they didn't. They largely didn't. Job prayed for all this stuff to change, and they didn't change. Um, Sure, at the end, Job was sort of vindicated as a righteous man before the Lord, but um, he cried out to God, and God, again, uh, never, really, never really gave him an answer. And um, again, it's okay, maybe know this too, nobody in the Bible ever, some of the Psalms are so um, bold and sometimes even crass and seem like, it seems like they're just mad at God. Like, God, why don't you take away my enemies from, nobody has ever scolded, or God never scolds or like um, punishes anybody for praying like that. So again, know that I think you can go to God reverently and respectfully and still almost go, God, where are you? Like, I need you and you're not here. And again, hopefully you, at least in that prayer, can sense God's presence. But um, it's okay to do that. I think it's, it's good to be real with God. And then prayer is also... A discipline. I've got to, I'm going to skip down a little bit here. Um, so finally this. The final question is point three, the confidence we have in daily prayer. How, can, how is David able to find deep contentment and, um, and greater joy? Now, here's the deal. What the, the sort of first question I need to pose is this. And the answer is found really in this different question. What happens when there's unanswered prayer? What happens when there's unanswered prayer? See, the truth of the matter is sometimes... You pray, and the answer is yes. You prayed for a job at Chick-fil-A. And I don't know if you prayed for that, Jordan, but you might have. And then you got it, and you were like, that's awesome. Um, You prayed that uh, you would do well on a pop Spanish quiz. And you actually did. You did okay on that Spanish. And you go, yeah, you know, sometimes you pray, and you, things get better. Other times, prayers are made, and there's no answer in sight. Um, You prayed for the healing of a loved one. Maybe your mom or dad went through some serious health scare. You have a grandparent that has cancer. And um, just nothing seemed to change. Uh, There were no changes. John Calvin writes this about unanswered prayer. This is on the screens. He says, "God God grants our prayer even if he doesn't respond to the exact form of our request. Think about this. He may grant our prayer even if he doesn't respond to the exact form of our request. Even when he does not comply with our wishes, he's still attentive, and kindly to our prayers, so that hope relying upon his word will never disappoint us. Um, sometimes when we pray, you guys, the answer is yes. Sometimes when we pray, the answer is, that's not the right thing to pray for. Or the answer is, I'm going to answer that in a way that you didn't expect. Or I hear your prayer, but I have something better for you. But it's not coming till later, and so you won't understand this. In other words, God either gives us what we ask for, Or, and many of you have heard me say this before, he gives us what we would have asked for if we knew all that he knew. And if we knew what we should have asked for. 
many times a day, one of my kids, at least on the weekends when I'm home and not working, one of my kids will come to me and ask me for a piece of candy. And many, many times I will give them a piece of candy. We still have Valentine's candy at home. We have like a whole bag of nerds. And I'll say, here's some candy. But there's also plenty of times where my kids maybe ask for candy. And, um, and I, I just want something better for them. I just say, no, Parker, I'm sorry, you can't have candy right now. It's right before bed. And he wants that. But I maybe say, you can have an apple or you can have some strawberries. And um, so am I giving him what he asked for? No. But in a lot of ways, it's better. It's better for his body. It's better, it's better for his health. Throughout the Psalms, we see David again and again and again pouring out, pouring himself out to God through disappointments, through denied requests, through um, the betrayals in his family, through the death of his infant son. And yet he remains confident and he perseveres and he keeps on praying and he finds deep rest and satisfaction as he prays. Here's how we can do this also. Here's how we can find the confidence. Jesus Christ, of course, was the greater David, right? And in fact, he too poured himself out in prayer. So Dakota talked about this last week. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed. He cried out that the cup of suffering might be delivered from him, right? He, he cried out, God, would you take this cup of suffering away from me? He's in agony in this garden, maybe eight hours before he's nailed to a cross. He knows what's coming. For David, his prayers were usually that God would reverse some sort of life situation. For Jesus, his prayer was that he might avoid the end of his life. And he knew that's where he was going, but he was just hoping. Um, it wasn't just bad life circumstances. It was his death. It was him being nailed to a cross. For David, it was the death of his infant son, as I just said. It was the betrayals he experienced in his family. It was disappointments. For Jesus, it was the agony that was to come on the cross. You guys, not just the physical pain, obviously. The absence of his, of his father's presence for the very first time. That that alone drove him to his knees. On the cross, Jesus cried out, my God, and yet he was forsaken. Why? So that we can cry out our Father and our prayers can be heard. Jesus in that garden said, take this cup from me, and yet he was denied. You guys, Jesus had a prayer turned down. I think we have to remember that. And again, maybe I've said that before, but it helps us to know that Jesus had a prayer turned down. And it wasn't, I guess, that God didn't hear him. God said, no, no, I just have something else for you. And in reality, it was the greatest thing ever because Jesus took the penalty that your sin and that my sin deserved. He took our penalty for our rebellion against God and he took it on himself. And so Jesus was abandoned by God so that we could enter in, right? So that we could, so that our prayers could be heard. And even if our prayers aren't answers as we would prefer them to be, they're answered in a way that would give us the joy that a father would want to give a child. And so again, even if we don't understand it, God is a good God. Listen to this real quick. This is my final thing. I'll close with this. In Matthew 7, Jesus says this, Which of you fathers, if his son asks for bread, would give him a stone? You've all heard this, right? Many of you. If he asks for a fish, would he give him a snake? No. But if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? As a dad, I may be in a different perspective than some of you. I don't care. I'm a, sometimes I'm a bad dad to my kids. I'm just going to say that. I want to give my kids everything they want. I desperately want to give them anything they ask for just because they want it. And I'm sinful and I'm messed up. But God in heaven, he's the God of the universe and he's perfect and he's righteous and he's pure and he's holy. So how much more does God in heaven want to give us um, what we need for each day? 
our daily bread. And he can because of the cross. Let's pray. Father, um, as David says in Psalm 4, God, may the light of your face shine upon us. God, I feel like David maybe knew, God, that is the answer to every prayer. God, that more than anything, we need you. And God, the sad thing is that most of the time, we don't want you. We want, we want love from somebody else, and that's good. And we want an iPhone 6, and those are good. But God, but they don't satisfy Nothing on this earth is God. Nothing on this earth, they're, they're just idols, God. They're false gods. And they don't last. And they don't fulfill the deepest longings of our hearts. And so, God, we need you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that Jesus took abandonment from you, God, so that we could enter in, so that you could hear our prayers. And God, may we pray. May we do evening and morning prayer. God, may we go to you and say, God, May you be the first thing in my life. May you, may you be hallowed in my life. May you be holy in my life. And may your kingdom come, God. And may your will be done. And God, give us what we need. Give us what we need. Give us our daily bread. And that starts with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.